seeing these like white people zombies coming and trying to like eat their bodies. Yeah. And so literal, like the actual oppression. And I was like, this is amazing, <laughs> you know? about spooky stuff as we do if you don't already know we are the media analysis show from a horror lens where we explore the real life historical and psychological reasonings behind our cinematic fears on today's episode we'll be talking with two phenomenal creators uh, with a love and appreciation for horror to discuss how horror can be used as a form of community care um, this program is a part of Philly Cam's People Powered Media Fest, our annual month-long celebration of community media in our mem- and our membership. This year, we're focused on sharing the ways our media can f- be a form of community care. Be sure to catch conversations, workshops, and special programming focused on ways storytelling cultivates care. Tune in to be a part of the fest on cable, radio, and online. For more information, you can visit ppmfest.org. Yes, thank you, Kat. Yeah, this is for for PPM Fest with Philly Cam, uh, you know, one of our many homes for content. And we're talking to some amazing creators today about horror and how it can be used as a form of community care, but also, you know, ways that it can be improved (laughs) and be better forms of community care and what that means to these creators. So I want to welcome Eunice and Wimoto to chat with us about horror. Um, Before we get started, I'll introduce who you are to our listeners so that they get that idea uh, of what, who you do. Why? Why do we pick you? <laughs> so I'll start with Mimoto, uh, who you should be familiar with because she's been on our show a few times. Wimoto uh, <laughs> is a writer and transmedia artist, the founder of Dusky Projects, uh, where they create and produce horror and sci-fi content for young adult and adult audiences. As an educator, her practice is rooted in culturally responsive pedagogy. Uh, Through the use of speculative fiction and creative disciplines such as music, film, and performance, uh, Nyoka designs and implements family-friendly curriculum and programming to address literacy, creative problem-solving, and the importance of youth advocacy, which is exactly what we like to see in our media. (laughs) Like media with a purpose, and you learn things, and then you go and you do it. (laughs) fun and it's fun the whole time <laughs> yeah, yeah edutainment <laughs> yes edutainment fun. um and then we also have Eunice who you all might not be familiar with but you really should if you do not know who Eunice is you need to get on this level uh, so Eunice Levis is a first generation Dominican American born and raised in the Bronx New York currently she's developing several projects that combine her love of horror sci-fi thriller and fantasy maybe through mainly through a diasporic lens she recently wrote and directed Invade, a sci-fi short film, which I'm so excited to see, uh, <laughs> and uh, has worked on several other uh, works, such as uh, her feature script Keep, 
which is in a, a second round for consideration in the 2021 Sundance Future Development Program, and also uh, was a part of a really great opportunity that I want to hear about <laughs> from the Knicks. Uh, the 13, was it 13 minutes? Okay. Yeah, 13 minutes of horror. Yes, so exciting. Uh, so <laughs> that was our introduction of you all. But I would love to hear um, from each of you a little bit of like what inspires you to create the work that you do and maybe even what you're currently working on. Um, we can start with you, Eunice. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, my work, I think that, um, so I, I, I tend to like genre in general. So I, I weave in between sci-fi and um, horror and um, fantasy. I also really gravitate towards having my work be bilingual or mm -hmm. and or bicultural because I am uh, Afro-Dominican. Um, so I, I like to give a nod to everything that it that, that's culturally within me. Um, that's just really important to me. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I am currently, so I wrapped Invade. Um, that's a sci-fi uh, short, sci-fi thriller. And it's also, it's, it's bilingual. It's not, um, it's bilingual. <laughs> and it, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, the next thing that I'm working on now, it's called Row in the Stardust. And that's an urban fantasy. And that one is also bilingual. Um, and what I just wrapped, actually going backwards, um, is a micro short called Fell Ends. And that was for the 13 Minutes of Horror um, inaugural film festival from NYX. And that was an amazing experience. I, um, yeah, it was the, the first year the theme was folklore. So I focused on the folklore of La Siwapa, um, which is very a popular um, folklore in the Dominican Republic. And, and actually in the Caribbean, they have different versions of it, but in the Dominican Republic it's called La Siwapa. Um, and it's, a, it's basically a, um, a forest um, demon with backwards feet. Um, and, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. And I felt like really, really, really supported, um, by Nix. That was just like really an incredible experience. And right now, um, the film is streaming on Shudder. Ooh. Love that. Shutter's doing some really great work with just yeah. highlighting, you know, different cultures, right? Like, and being like, look at all this amazing horror that's out here and you don't even know about it. <laughs> like, we need to make more of it. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. Um, Weemoto, what about what you're working on and what drives you to create what you do? Uh, similar to Eunice, um, I'm Afro-Mexicana, so some of my work is bilingual, and it's also, I have like a real transmedia approach, so sometimes the story will start on stage, and then some of it will be told via music or audio, and then some film. So I kind of oscillate between a lot of different forms of storytelling, but the writing is pretty much centered in all of it. <laughs> so I would say that I'm a horror and sci-fi writer. And right now we are, with Dusky Projects, I'm in the post-production for second season of Black Women Are Scary, which is a podcast that produces and celebrates BIPOC authors by um, mounting their short horror stories. So I work a lot with authors and we make like a full on audio production that airs the top of the month. And then we follow that up with different online fun things like the Macabre Mixer where you get to meet the author and we design games around their story and you get to interact and just come together and have a good time and be in community. It's very much 
yeah, leaning towards community care because it started in the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) But, and it was also, you know, the point was to, I was really looking for my tribe. I wanted to find other horror and sci-fi, other genre, BIPOC, anybody making genre work, writing genre work and like feature them, spotlight them, highlight them and hold a space where we could talk about the work and not get mired in identity politics, which I know sounds funny because the podcast is called Black Women Are Scary, but it's also kind of a joke. And I also say, I say Black Women Are Scary, so like, I don't have to talk about being Black ever again. <laughs> like, like, it's like I get out ahead of it, like, okay, Black, and then like, now we can talk about things. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. I, and then, yeah, I have some, and then I'm writing. I'm just always writing, so. Yeah. And I love reading your work. It's uh, in, in, in that, like, they're always really unique perspectives in that, like, we don't get to see those all the time. And I wish they were, you know, all the time. (laughs) I wish it was like, Oh, another one of these, you know? Um, So thank you for making those um, both of you. And I'm very excited to have you both. And it's, it's when I was thinking of putting this panel together, like, you were like the top names that came to mind. I was like, these are perfect. And it's like, before we started recording, there was already like connections being made. Like we need to team up. And I was like, this is exactly it. Like we're putting in the work, just be that connector. Um, So I want to start with, uh, uh, now that we've gotten acquainted, um, just in the topic of, of how we're saying like community media is community care. I am curious to hear what you all see community care being like what does that look like to you um and anyone can answer Ready. it's so huge um i mean i think okay so for there's like so many lenses but just from the lens of uh people the media makers you know really i'm always looking to and always find trying to find ways to be involved in a kind of this is sound dumb, but like alternative system than the the typical approach for if you want to make media, if you want to make television, or if you want to make a movie, um, mm-hmm. really, you know, if you want to make television, uh, there's a there's a standard way, and that way has not been that way is very hostile. Like friends that I've got that you know are working in the business or working mm-hmm. in Hollywood, um, they never really have anything good to say <laughs> about what it's like. And so I do, and then there's always that caveat where people are like, just make it, don't wait for them. And I'm always like, who is the that? Let's unpack like the them that you cannot wait for and why. Um, and then, you know, you see a lot of that upheaval now with these so many um, programs that are like, we're looking for people of color to be part of this writing program or this directing program or this fellowship for producing or this way to like shadow and, and then we'll foster or mentor you to the thing, you know, like all there's, there's a lot of that now. And I guess that's good, but I am also very interested in the people who are like exploring other ways because we have so many tools to make media and get the media to the audience Mm -hmm. um, that are not necessarily like, through the typical gatekeepers. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, I totally apply for those, all of those programs, and hope get one. but like, but I also want to like be friends with and be about some like other stuff too. Um, one, cause it's fun. And two, I, that whole, like, we're the gatekeepers that are now gonna do this because we realize it's not diverse. Like that whole yeah. like, weird dynamic is a little, uh, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what to think about that. It makes me feel strange. So I like to, <laughs> I like to like operate on more than one frontier here. Yeah. And I think something we'll talk about too is it, those, some of those opportunities are often looking for a specific theme or approach to the stories too. Like they're looking for specific stories that they want to highlight and they don't want all of our stories. They don't want all the celebratory or just fun. It doesn't feel rooted. Yeah. And it's because of that, it doesn't feel rooted in care. So I guess to go back to your question of community care, community would be, and this would sound, I don't know, radical or am I getting in trouble, but like divesting from some of these systems feels like a community care. Like that's what part of it would look like. Cause you know, and you have to be on a mission if you want to go in there and like change the system you know, mm-hmm. whatever the thing is like that has to be like a calling what if you're just like too lazy to do all that <laughs> 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 or just like you know you don't feel like fighting today like is is that the only is that the only way so I'm, I feel like community care is, is exploring like but what else mm-hmm. um, and perhaps redefining success for ourselves and our community that's like not so rooted in like I have to be in this place and then get this award. And then that means that I'm, yeah, uh, I made it. I'm real. Like I'm yeah. a real, whatever the thing is, fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think, um, you know, when we at Philly cam decided on the theme of community media as community care, um, I was excited for it. Cause to me, I feel like it's inherent in the work that we do and just, you know, providing a space and an opportunity for like, just everyone can come in, learn how to create TV shows and films and then do it. And there's no, like, we're not reviewing things and being like, this doesn't get in that gets, it's like, no, you made your story. I want it on there. Like no matter what it's saying, like sometimes, it can get a little hairy. (laughs) Sometimes it's like, what are you making? Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, I, you know, it's, it's freedom of speech and it's, it's expression uh, in, in one of its purest forms that I think is, uh, is community care. So I totally get what you're saying, Mimoto of like, can't we just do it like, (laughs) and do it the way we want to. And in a way that feels safe um, and achievable without uh, trying to, fit someone else's standards or expectations of what success would like. Um, awesome. Guinness, what about you? Yeah. So I think I have a, I have a unique way of interpreting community care. It's, it's really because of my, so, um, my day job, uh, that I've been doing for many years is, um, I work in writing, um, basically like PSA content and, um, sales mm-hmm. content for health, specifically for Medicare. And, um, I think that community care for me in that role and kind of, it, it crosses over where it's more of a, it's highlighting things that we should care about within the community. Mm. how it affects you and manipulating behavior Mm. that is at its core horror right so we're doing it in a way that this is good for you right we're 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 doing it under this is the medicine right this is the monster and this is the medicine and so um for me um i'm trying to scare you into changing your behavior. <laughs> so I have all this, um, all this like training of like how to make situations scary so that I can get, you know, somebody who's over 65 to like 
go get your, you know, your flu shot or go get your physical every year, whatever it is. But the idea is that horror does incite people to take action. So it's the perfect vehicle um, because it, 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 you're generating fear. So that's that's kind of how I see it. And that's how I see that we can utilize the tool um, in terms of getting people at their core to be to 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 react and to act. Yeah. And I will say there's no one definition for community care, which is why I'm I've had a lot of fun asking people like, what does that look like to you? And there are some like, you know, three lines of like, you know, celebration, education, equality, just like representation. Like those are, you know, some of the fundamental things. Uh, But and I think you like education through horror (laughs) one is like our favorite thing uh but it's also a very great tool um and since this is a panel kat i want to ask you what community care looks like to you putting me on the spot oh gosh um (laughs) yeah i think okay for me like community care is definitely like one thinking of like what we might have saying with like sometimes the gatekeeping or systems in place aren't actively working to create a space of community care. So I always think of uh, Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer, where it's like, if the system isn't doing the thing that we want, you build the train. So I, I really appreciate the creating space where that does act actively more as like a space where people can feel represented, seen, heard. And I, for me, like media that does that and like allows people to like enter a state of catharsis or um, just feeling like validated in their either experiences or emotions can be really powerful. Um, so I think that's what it means for me. What about you, Gabe? You're on the spot. So. I kind of answered. Um, I think being able to, I think community care uh, is is all those things that I've, I've heard over this time um, and in appreciating that it it can be so many things and that we're all working so hard to to make that. Um, But I think community care is like creating uh, a space where people feel safe um, and can tell stories and celebrate one another and like, you know, get there. But at the same time, also like uh, as a community, get through things as well. Like we can watch this and we can kind of overcome this obstacle or this barrier as a unit, as a team, uh, supporting one another, and then we can come out the other side and then celebrate one another as well. Like that, we can do that together. Um, I'm a very, I'm very much an extrovert, <laughs> so I'm like the more people, the merrier. Like let's all get together and be friends, uh, <laughs> and, like do that. And so I think something like like horror is is often a very uh, communal film like a filming experience uh Mm -hmm. and that not a lot of people are just watching it all by themselves (laughs) like and if you are you're like like people think you're crazy right (laughs) it's it's far more fun when you're with other people who can react and and have those experiences so even just in that just like being able to get spooked together is like you're being vulnerable and like excited and like just having a good time together and i think that is a form of community care it's cat Look at this panel. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kat, why don't you go to the next question? Yeah. Um, so how can media and specifically horror, uh, we already kind of answered that, didn't we? Yeah. Let's a little do bit. Yeah. One. Okay. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> how can representation within horror act as a form of community care and how can it act inversely as like a form of community harm? So like how we see in films misrepresentation. of misrepresentation or positive representation. I mean, I think always, you know, if you see yourself in the story, that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then there's also now we're finally getting into getting away from like, this is the black version of the whatever, (laughs) or this is the Mexican or this, the Latinx, or this is the Asian version. Like we're getting away from like the Asian version of this or the, you know, BIPOC version of that. And really starting to get into like, this is a new thing from this community. Like, you know, like reservation dogs is not the native version of anything. That's some new stuff there. (laughs) (laughs) And you're watching that. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I mean it's a great show I'm super excited about that and Rutherford Falls and like Resident Alien you know just to, mm-hmm. just seeing like First Nations folks not in a period piece in the West yeah. like for the longest time I was like I know you know people still are alive right now wear headdresses or have this one yes. specific like nation like what are you <laughs> Right. So just like the, you know, the, and the power, like even when you, when it's not your diaspora, you know, so when I saw blood quantum and then I had to like look up what that meant, but like just the power of that, of the visuals of that, of, you know, seeing, seeing these like white people zombies coming and trying to like eat their bodies. Yeah. So literal, like the actual oppression. And I was like, this is amazing, you know? <laughs> It's a way. It's like kind of. It's a form of exorcism in a in a sense to to do this to tell the story and to tell it through your cultural lens and to just kind of like get it out. You know, like, yeah. like ah, we did it. We can talk about it. Um, you know, we we sort of like practice the 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 beat, battling of this monster and triumphing. You know, you, you get you do like a rehearsal for this thing that you know you are dealing with or have to do with. It just kind of helps you process. Yeah. what's happening um which is why i think so much horror is being made right now mm-hmm. rather than like there was a lot of there was you know it is no longer the fall it's no longer halloween it's like there's so many that i can't even keep up with how many horror films are coming out and they come out like every month because it's just like we need an outlet we need a way to like process what's happening these years that we have so i think you know, if you, if it's, it's cathartic anyway. And then if, if you are in the story and you are represented and you're the protagonist and you're solving things and it's in your community, in your language, um, that's very, you know, it makes you feel there's a lot of agency there. Like, Oh, we can get through this. Um, conversely, you know, if you are the person who dies in the first five minutes, if all the rules are stacked against you and your body and you see that violence play out, it's, it's really demoralizing. I worry, I worry about like, you know, the tragedy porn of it too. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, does it always have to be like a social justice uh, theme if it centers anybody, any kind of person of color? Like, did, yeah. do, you know, so I think that that's like, that's also where it can get a little like, oh, and then we're always talking about this. Like, we really do need to like constantly be um, stretching, 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 you know, in genre work. So 
it's just as cathartic when you're when you are in fact just the vampire doctor who needs to like save the like whatever it is you know and it's got nothing to do with your culture but like you're there right. <laughs> that also matters uh there's a lot of you know things that i've seen where it's like so-and-so was just in the movie and like i was just really excited that they existed right. in the future because there's so many things that i've seen especially in sci-fi where there's like no people of color and it's like this is a huge assertion to make yeah mm-hmm. i do it or yeah. like all of the leadership positions are all held by men. It's like, this is a big, you're saying a lot right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're assuming that there's a lot here. <laughs> This is a little propagandist, really. So like, yeah. you're talking about future spaces right. or alternative realities where you're saying like, the world could be like this. It's mm-hmm. a very powerful thing to say. Yeah. So when you put culture in there, you dismantle systems of oppression by accident. Yeah, just by existing, right? Like just being there. Just by having the rules of that of that world work differently. And so I think that's why it is both, it's a very volatile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We also reminded me of um, uh, Vampires versus the Bronx. So... Um, in that film, it was a lot of fun. It was a fun film. And I remember just seeing it and I was like, oh, that's that's where you catch the train. That's what, you know, it, everything mm-hmm. was so, um, so real. It was actually there. And I know that space and I, and I know how proud people are in that community to see their community represented on film and that that is a place that's now celebrated forever in that film, which is amazing. But... That film in particular um, dealt with gentrification mm-hmm. in a fun way um, with with the, the, um, the people coming in, the gentrifiers coming in and actually being vampires. Um, what I think was really um, timely about that piece is that the, the Bronx is currently being gentrified in, a, in a, an insane speed, um, mainly because they're, they're running out of space in Manhattan and, and right across the bridge is the Bronx. So um, so just like Harlem has now completely, like it's, it's everyone's priced out, it's happening to the Bronx as well. So this was a way of kind of alerting everyone of what's going on, but also kind of like ripping the bandaid off, like, yo, this is what we're feeling and this is the pain that we're going through. And, you know, mm-hmm. and this is how we do it. We take a stand and we fight back. And so it's kind of like not only giving the community that voice, um, but also expressing what's happening to several people. Not It's not only in the Bronx. Obviously, we can put this in every major city and it'll apply. But mm-hmm. I think that that was a platform for even the younger voices to to um, to express and to um, to put a visual to what it feels like to have someone come in and rip apart your community. Um, so that's that's another another way of doing it. I think obviously it's still um, battling a social issue, but I think it did it in such a fun way and in a way that wasn't. I mean, it was overt, but it was. <laughs> Preachy, um, and it was just a lot of fun. So, I, you know, I just think that, yeah, sometimes seeing yourself in a situation gives you um, the tools to be able to to identify what it is that you're feeling, and also give you the tools to to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, something like horror, and especially that, which is, like, fun horror, like, the vampires were, like, Buffy-looking vampires. Right, right. The whole, like, thing, you know, it was very, like, you know, I think they called it, like, Vlad, like, housing or something. It was, like, very... But there's something accessible about some, like, horror with a message versus, Mm -hmm. like, if you were trying to sit someone down to talk about gentrification or even blood quantum, uh, Mm -hmm. having them sit in front of, like, a documentary might not be as appeasing as being, like, watch this zombie film that's gonna like upset you and then I'm gonna tell you about what really like blood quantum is or I'm gonna tell you what like is happening right outside like when we covered uh vampires versus Bronx it was uh we also were talking about like attack the block and we were that opportunity to talk about gentrification even in our own area like South Philly is incredibly gentrified and like I'm seeing it like change in the year that I've like lived in this new apartment like I'm like it's different like in one year. Um, and so I think it's, there's also this power of like, who is the me- like this message for? Um, and so when it is targeted after like educating people who might not otherwise get that information um, or, you know, like how many people all of a sudden were like Tulsa after like Lovecraft country, <laughs> right? Like people or, or um, after Watchmen, Watchmen yeah. um, like Tulsa, like what? Or uh, yeah. like that, that's profound. I think that's, it's amazing tool. Uh, I think, you know, something that we meant has brought up in a lot of like our discussions in ghouls and out <laughs> has always been like, at one point, can we stop doing that? <laughs> like, at what point can we stop being expected to be the educators all the time and just like get to do the thing that we want to do? And I think that is uh, a, a really strong part because being represented and just being on screen uh, can be that care, right? It's like, oh, look, someone who looks like me. Right. Uh, and to see them not be mutilated, like not to see yeah. the pain and the harm. Uh, and, that, and if that's all that people are looking at and all people are asking for, that's where the community harm comes from because it's like now if that's all people are getting like if someone lives on the outside and doesn't experience gentrification or is on the other side of gentrification and doesn't see it as like doesn't see the problems of it right uh if this is all they're gonna get is like this is what people are uh then it's going to give them a very negative opinion on on these different cultures and different people when we could just be like, no, actually we're just existing. (laughs) We're just out here um, living and we're multifaceted. Like we can be the hero and the villain and the best friend and the, the other friend and the the other killer. (laughs) Like we could be this whole film, right? Like we could be every single one of this film because we're not one character. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, that leads me to uh, the other question, um, which is, uh, we already have one, which is Vampires versus the Bronx, but what are some other films that come to mind that you feel like work to address and educate uh, on some of the community issues, uh, even if it is like the audience might not exactly be us? <laughs> hmm. So the ones that are like social, there's like a social justice theme inside. Yeah, or even just like an educational theme, because I mean there's also the element of like mental health like some, Mm -hmm. you know, horror films can be a tool for you to understand that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So just like any films that you're like, oh, that taught me something, like Blood Quantum (laughs) or Vampires vs. the Rocks. Right. Huh. Yeah, Uh, let's see. I mean, there's obvious like Get Out, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, And Us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know if us really had. It had a little bit of classism, but it was also it just nice <laughs> to have like a black. I think that one might be under the like. He just made a scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, I didn't feel like there was a message or if I did, or I don't know, I didn't feel like it was like real obvious. It was an overt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was super subtle. But, <laughs> and, uh, while we think about that, can I just address something that Gabe, you brought up was um, in terms of who the audience is. I think that that may be a key. Like once you said that, I was like, hmm, maybe we are looking at it from a different lens. Maybe we're looking at it to entertain a particular audience. And so that's why, um, you know, either, the, you know, a social component to it is what we wrap it up in. Or maybe um, just like um, uh, Vampires versus Bronx, we don't go deep into horror because either, or, you know, just don't make it as, as friendly um, because it's hard to make horror. It's hard to make horror that competes, especially uh, as, as an independent um, um, uh, artist. It's hard to make horror in the, at the level that people experience it or want to experience it. And mm-hmm. so it could be, it could look a little bit, um, um, well, not as good <laughs> as a, as horror that, you know, that you, you have a lot of a big budget and you can make it really realistic. So sometimes um, uh, the social horror component of it is easier to wrap your movie around or your story around than it is like, let's say, um, I don't know, um, a monster horror, creature horror, something, yeah. something in that vein. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's also costs. Um but I just it, it just made me wonder, like, huh, maybe we're maybe we are looking at the we are looking at the audience and the intent is the audience as opposed to telling the story. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, um, I, think I think talking about access to resources definitely plays into this. You know, right. uh, what can, what can you make? Right. Mm-hmm. And that and that is, of course, complicated by racial and gender politics right. you know if you're a woman making a film versus a dude right if you're a person of color making a film you know once you step out from in front of the camera and you don't want to just entertain you want to like be in charge of the story it's a very yeah. different world and you get treated differently and yeah there's a lot of uh, obstacles for you to just have the kind of budget to tell the story the way you might want to right. mm-hmm. so I think that that's a, a an interesting point of like, well, maybe there's the social justice theme is just like, this is how I can get funded. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. We just make this, this is what thing. they're paying for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like attack the block has a, so, you know, has a theme that does that. I was just thinking, mm-hmm. uh, what it, there's, um, Oh my God. I just, it came into my mind. I think that under the shadow, mm-hmm. has that, you know, where it's, it's very, very it's right like in the middle of that war in Iran. So like there's a clearly, mm-hmm. um, and then the the one that I told you about, Kandisha. That's, mm-hmm. uh, yes, yes, yes. That one also, I feel like, does that quite well. I would even, you know, also say like, uh, tigers are not afraid. I was just yeah. gonna say that. Yeah. I was like, say it in English again. <laughs> yeah, because that, you know, that to me was also you know, just educational, um, because it's like I don't know that much about Mexico. Like I don't go there mm-hmm. like, you know and, and I'm not like so it, it was it was eye-opening for me um and I was thankful for something like that and I do think like with horror um we can sometimes get away with lower budget and like when we're not heavy on 
special effects, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't end up into B movie territory. Mm-hmm. If like the core message is very like accessible and like people are like, oh, okay, I get it. Cause like I'm even thinking of we covered um they look like people, which was super low budget and like stripped down like bare bones like production that is one of the more profound films that I've ever seen that really shook me and I was like tense like the last 10 Mm. minutes of that film I was like gonna cry and I was like and that was didn't even have like a score you know like it's it was like here's our story is we're gonna explore mental health and mental illness and and finding that community and 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 support system and what that looks Mm -hmm. like and how to best do that uh which i you know appreciate as someone who doesn't like i don't have that so i was like let me learn (laughs) let me see how the best way to be an ally uh for something like that and i think when we're you know you're thinking of the the audience for that too it's like who would we want to be better people after having watched this right (laughs) like who who would like (laughs) see this and feel maybe they feel as angry as we do or they feel as excited as we do or they like you know it's kind of like sharing the those moments um it just it is unfortunate that oftentimes the the people who have the money have specific stories that they want to hear um especially now when they're feeling maybe a bit guilty (laughs) <laughs> so they're like oh we're gonna put an extra work to get these specific stories it's like well, why did you just step aside <laughs> yeah. let's do what we want to do instead um, yeah the best thing i could do is just be like we did we had our moment goodbye <laughs> new people turn. are in charge now um i also think of like babadook too as like a really good yeah. mental health uh processing movie because it's like i think that's one of the first movies where one i didn't see the mental illness villainized uh but also like it was very much like you don't just get over <laughs> trauma the only way you can heal yeah. from it is to look at it yeah. and learn to live with it learn to carry it with you and i think that's something that they look like people did very well as well in that like that the main the character that had the mental health like mental break essentially mm-hmm. was not at any point like this guy is horrible we hate him. Yeah. We want him to lose. Like we were rooting for him. And I feel like in a lot of horror specifically, like they don't always treat mental health as a thing very well. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, I think those two films like did a really good job in like creating a space that actually was caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kat, do you have our next question? Which one? Okay. We have a lot yeah. of questions. <laughs> Can you uh, name some horror films that don't focus on political or societal issues that feature BIPOC, and how can we change the landscape to allow for more of these stories? I don't know how to change because I've like read articles about why those films weren't promoted, and like it's it seems like a formidable mm-hmm. uh, a formidable problem. Yeah. But I thought about this for a long time. Like, are there movies though that don't do it? And I would say Fast Color. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a one that like it's subtle, like it's there in the background, you know, because they're all black women. But really, yeah. it's about like, what are we going to do about these powers? <laughs> like, there's this drought and I need to make it rain and I can't like figure my life out right now. Um, you know, like she's like trembling and she's like, I'm like a time bomb. I don't know what to do with myself. So like, it's really like, you know, about the relationship between these three women, right? Um, these three generations and this family. And then I would say Kin is another one. Mm. Oh, that was mine. I loved Kin. No yeah. one like that movie didn't get any like love it had like a couple of trailers and then it was like tucked away somewhere and when I finally watched it I was like what 
So yeah. there's like these brothers and their foster brothers and they go on this crazy road trip because the kid finds this alien weapon. Yeah. And then like all like shenanigans ensue because he's got this like a, this gun from like another planet. <laughs> it's so great. And so well done. Yeah. It's so well done. And there's so many big names in it. James Franco is in it. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan is in it. Zoe Graf is in it. Dennis Quaid is in it. Like, you're like, why haven't I seen this movie? Yeah. Why is it all over the place? Yeah. So I think it's interesting. The things that I've read about, like, films like Fast Color can, like, the difficulty they had getting um, actual release dates for it and having any promotion, it's... it. It spans, uh, you know, having a press that is also deeply homogenous and people saying that, like, we don't know how to market your film. And there's definitely some filmmakers that I know that have gone to some of these, like, big name film festivals that, you know, that are, like, the big industry, independent, like, if you're, you want to get in Tribeca, you want to get in Sundance, you know, mm-hmm. these kinds of places. And they get there and they find that to be the case. They actually kind of have to promote, do the promotion, do the press for themselves because folks are really they genuinely they're just like we just don't know how to talk about a movie that isn't what you're what you just said yeah. like when we get these things it's like well you, there's a lack of edge of visual and and education and also like literacy like literature mm-hmm. education right. there people right. have it not everybody's read octavia butler not everybody is like do you know like and she's you know been dead for a while now and they still don't they're still like whoa what Ooh, new stuff <laughs> like yo late yeah like put down the canterbury kit tales there's a language that's not there so people genuinely are like i don't know i don't know how to talk i don't know how to i don't even know who is this for is there an audience for this like they don't right. know like for real so there's i think that there's that but then i think that there's also what was the other reason that I read? Oh, um, I'm going to throw in like an, Annihilation isn't one of these one of these movies, but it kind of had the same problem where it didn't get the love that it could have gotten. I feel yeah. like, yeah, that's another one. Right. Um, because everything needs to be a franchise. And so there's there's a there's a reality of intellectual property. There's a reality of like, does this does this work already have an audience Mm-hmm. And so we can guarantee we're going to get this many streaming views on it right. because we have to get a certain mark now to even ask producers to make another movie season yeah. or more like this. Yeah. So like that because Annihilation didn't have like a built in audience, it's difficult for new sci-fi stories or new horror stories to even get up off the ground if they're not part of a larger universe of something Mm -hmm. like a video game a comic book a series of books that's why like adaptations i think are like a big one way yeah big thing to do because it's like you already have a fan base and now we're going to bring it here like they because they they can't take those risks there's that one what's it called the Irregulars, I think, that was on Netflix. HBO. The one that took place in in England and the star, the protagonist was this young Asian woman. Mm-hmm. And it was like kind of in the world of Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Oh, I thought that was HBO Max. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. That one, like that one's not coming back. Oh. And it's great. It's a strong first season. It got a lot of views. 
but it couldn't compete with that shadow and bone. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but shadow and bone is seven books in. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, so it's like, and the writer of that got to be a part of the, you know, like that's all well and good, but yeah. like something like this show, which was just new and it still had a lot, but because it wasn't this like giant juggernaut of a thing, mm-hmm. they're like, we can't do another season. And I'm like, so I don't know what the, the, the solution for that is. Cause it's just like, uh, you, everything has to already have existed. I mean, like, so we're just going to do adaptation. Okay. But like original work or it's just, but if you remember it. like Terminator, bombed when it first like it didn't do well in the box office but look at the what we've we've been watching the terminator forever yeah. like yeah. alien nobody wanted sigourney weaver they were like no one's gonna believe this woman and like but look at like alien is a world that you could tell other stories in you know what i mean like these we've been i was we were around when those franchises like they weren't a franchise that was right. just a weird kind of low budget sci-fi or or horror movie you know like that's where they started so I'm so I don't know what the answer is other than like people just need to take a chance yeah I was just gonna say like how do we move forward how do we then develop a community that has an appetite for things that are obviously for the community in terms of having a social component or healing component Mm -hmm. but also how do we develop an, an appetite for something that has nothing but pure entertainment and and then it's not only developing the appetite, because clearly the appetite is there, but how do we develop um, the infrastructure to get supported? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know maybe that is you know having to create that ourselves in some way, and and trying to find those outlets, <laughs> grabbing hold on to whoever is doing it, and maybe it is uh, taking advantage of the guilt that some <laughs> places are feeling, uh, and grabbing onto those and using that to be like, okay, well you know what good <laughs> I'm gonna use this little thing to get in here and then once I'm in here I'm gonna do whatever I want after that like because I you know I think of like get out right which was like phenomenal and just it is a masterpiece yeah. and the fact that like Jordan follows that up with us where he's just like now nah, I just want to make a horror film like yeah clearly <laughs> you like horror films we feel benefited of how having ourselves on screen and we don't die in the first five minutes like what like (laughs) we want more of that clearly there's an audience uh and it took like kind of to get in the door making something like that and i'm not saying that everyone can make a get out because that's not very sustainable or possible um but maybe it is kind of like okay we tell that first initial story or we do kind of air our grievances or work through some of our traumas as community and do that education and then uh, make the then take it <laughs> take it from that like, yeah yeah, like, yeah. Um, i have a radical thought uh in that maybe it's not that you need to get in the door it's that you need to remove the door <laughs> yeah right. um, but i don't know how that happens I'm yeah just, like, like, i just think like that's ultimately like the, the, three, the three things that are the evils of america um right. how do we remove those obstacles and I, I don't have the answer to that but I think that like they definitely play a part uh in the problem mm-hmm. right Ava DuVernay like I'll build my own table yeah mm-hmm. right yeah I don't want to see it a table yeah. right. so the, and it, sort of what I meant by like the uh, the, the other system the the other way mm-hmm. of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what is that infrastructure and how can that 
infrastructurally, like how do you do it and like actually build something that's sustainable so it goes on with or without you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, since I do know that, you know, we will lose you soon because <laughs> you have, because uh, you're working on a lot of amazing projects. Uh, I wanted to um, take the time to uh, have you share uh, where people can find you and learn more, especially because you have a lot of interesting things coming up. And any last thoughts that you have um, for uh, anyone who might be out there who wants to make or like any, you know, advice like or, you know, sci-fi, whatever it is, who might be feeling maybe those barriers that we're talking about and, you know, whatever they could do to um, overcome those anyway and still make it. <laughs> yes. So I'll start with that first. So um, I think that one of the most important tools that we have in, uh, in terms of uh, cre content creators is our circle, right? Mm -hmm. So reaching out to other um, artists in our community, um, reaching out to, there's a lot of free resources within the community that, um, that you can utilize. Um, there's always public access everywhere that you mm -hmm. can also reach out to. Um, but I think that for the most part, and people say it all the time, hey, grab your phone and do this. And obviously that's not um, <laughs> that's not exactly how you make a film, but it gets you out there. So if you only have enough of a story to tell a one minute film, <laughs> um, that one minute film can, can get you a long, you know, a long way. Um, yeah. Send it to people, tag people, um, just be your own advocate um, in terms of what, what you want to do. I honestly started and just said... I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to give my, you know, I'm going to give it my all. And I've literally just worked on that specific. So once you put your mind to it, just go for it. Reach out to people who are thriving in that, in that circle, in that industry and see what they did and use it as a guide. Um, the, you know, that's, that's what I think you can do. <laughs> um, and also like, the ghouls. I mean, you guys are amazing. And this is literally like a little mini masterclass of like, what are the issues and what you should be watching and what you should know. Um, it's, it's really a fantastic show. Uh, so you can reach me at um, www.eunicelevi.com. And um, I'm in, I think I'm on all platforms of social media. Um, and I cannot wait to share with you guys what I have going next, um, which is Invade, my sci-fi thriller. And my very next one will be Roan the Stardust, which is an urban fantasy. Awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate the kind words. <laughs> it's like, it means a lot, you know, we're putting in this work, like, oh, someone's listening. Um, Life. <laughs> no worries. That's the way of being uh, like you know virtual. Like your lives are just here. Yeah. Um, yeah thank, you. thank you. And yeah, like not just for being here, but to for creating the content that you do. Um, I think just like we're always going to tell our stories, right? Like it's just just by us being the ones who made them they're like they're gonna tell our stories like it doesn't have to be political it doesn't have to be that it's um it exists and so um it's always nice to see that representation and and to see you know characters that can look like me and <laughs> can speak languages that I know and uh it's yeah I think it's amazing work and I'm always excited to see what you come up with next uh so thank you so much for joining us on this panel and we won't keep we won't hold you so that you can <laughs> get to that okay. next <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Emoto. Thank you, Kat. Yeah, it was great to see you again.
Yes. Awesome seeing you guys. I, I could really like talk to you guys forever. Um, thank you so much. It's like really an honor to be on the show. You guys know I'm a fan. I have my ghoul shirt on. <laughs> ah, yes, <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. Awesome. Well, I um, I was because I was thinking too about um, like films that have like BIPOC as protagonists and aren't. It's not political. And I thought of Good Manners because um, it oh, takes man, place in Brazil, and okay. <laughs> like one, it's 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 queer, positive, um, and like one of the best ever sex scenes in film or horror that ever just because it was just so beautiful uh but on top of that is like it is you know that the main character she is she's black and like the the other part of that is like it takes place in brazil and oftentimes people completely just neglect the fact <laughs> that brazil has one of the largest populations like outside of africa of like African descendants, like they were one of they were dropped off there too. More than one stop, and (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I think like it's just like, of course, if it takes place in Brazil, that like this is what the character would be. And it wasn't ever made a point of that because like the other character is like a lighter skinned Brazilian and also comes from like money and like that was more of the tension was like this kind of classism and like living in two different worlds kinds of things but it was never like it was never an issue (laughs) I was like it's so nice to just like have characters out here living their lives and having other issues (laughs) that they have to work through like my son is a werewolf right like (laughs) that's that's my problem you know (laughs) gotta work through that first um and I think like I was just very appreciative uh of good manners and highly recommend uh great music too Mm -hmm. um there was a show, and I can't, I've been trying to remember the name, uh, that also took place in Brazil, and it's called, like, Secret Ones or Sacred City or something like that, and it's just a, uh, you know, like one of those fantasy shows deep in the folklore, so, like, all the folk tales of Brazil, like, mm-hmm. all those people are real, and then there's like, you know, like the secret world in, <laughs> and it, I want to say it's Sao Paulo that it takes, but it's, and that's another one where it's like, this is really about like deforestation or something else. Yeah. Like it's really about this other, it's kind of like an eco horror in a way, but, and, but mm-hmm. it's so they're like disturbing the, the actual, like real spirits. Yeah. <laughs> so it's also about that. It also has that kind of like other worlds type of thing. And again, <laughs> And, it, and, you know, people are all different. Like, Brazil is a very diverse place. So people, you know, all different kinds of folks. And, like, that's never, it's in there. Like, who lives in the in the countryside that wants to protect the forest are all, like, indigenous people. And then, like, who doesn't in, in the city? Like, you can see it just in the structure yeah. scene to scene. But it's not at all, like, what that show is about. Yeah. Because it's just, like, it just takes place here. So, of course, the people... Yes. <laughs> of course. It's just life, y'all. We want to um, kind of offer up the same question over to you that I gave to Eunice of, um, one, where people can find you, what they should, you know, look forward to, but also um, any advice for creatives who are starting their journey into creating content and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what advice we have to just like (laughs) inspire them to tell their stories despite a lot of those obstacles that we have um and I know we were kind of like yeah they're there and it sucks (laughs) but you know 
what what can we say um, to someone who who might be feeling some of those barriers a little too tough? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with Eunice of like find your tribe. So it's very difficult to do a thing all by yourself. Find folks, be particular about who you're trying, who's in your circle there. You know, there'll be a lot of people I think who'll be like, yeah, yeah, I want to do it. And then they flake out. So, you know, (laughs) don't call them back. And then also there's so many ways to make things now. So I think being clear with yourself, like, what do you want to make? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you, you could make things for YouTube, you could make things just for Instagram, you could make things just for TikTok, you could do, you know, you could do that, like, you could do short films, you could do this, you could do micro shorts, like, you could just write mm-hmm. short stories, uh, it's so many things, which is not to say that you can't even do all of that, but I definitely, like, saying, like, I want to start here, I really want to do this, and, like, do it, that, for, like, a year, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. give it a go, um, I would say that, too, now that you can, now that that's accessible and you like, you can have a really great camera on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what do I want to make? And I would also recommend that whatever it is you want to make, that it be something that brings you joy that you enjoy, that you think yeah. it's going to do because it's like, because being an artist is, you know, work. Mm-hmm. So it's gotta be something that you're cool with doing habitually. I do mm-hmm. agree with what Octavia says, we're like, forget inspiration. Habit is what's going to get you through. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure that it's somewhat pleasurable. Like, don't pick the thing that's just like, oh, it's going to feel like a chore because then you're just never going to want to own that craft if it just feels like a big, heavy lift. Um, I don't know if people actually say that a whole lot if they talk about joy and pleasure. It's very much like you got to pay your dues. You got to yeah. This is a marathon. This is a slow burn. Have a good time. Yeah. Have a good time. Don't let capitalism tell you. Uh-huh. <laughs> to enjoy it's going to be like, I got to burn hard and pay my dues. You it's you're just going to it's just going to grind you down to dust. You can find me. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, although like I really just kind of dip a toe on Twitter. Uh, but uh, Dusky Projects. So Dusky Projects. And that will pretty much link tree you to everything. My website, my other things. So I feel like that's like the mm-hmm. best way to do it. Instagram Dusky Projects. And the next thing that's coming up is pretty soon we're going to start airing the second season of Black Women Are Scary. So, yeah, listen, tune into Black Women Are Scary. That's what I'm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> season two is out. It's happening and it's exciting. Well, thank you so much, Mimato, for joining us again. We just keep dragging you back. We're like, this is. I, I drag you into things, too. I was like, <laughs> you want to bring this other awareness a thon? You want to do this? Do you want to do that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you guys on like one of the flash fiction episodes i'm gonna schedule you in yeah to read yeah. flash fiction and talk a bunch of stuff yeah thank you so much i think it's been uh, a wonderful conversation as always uh and you know hopefully uh inspiring to creators out there who want to see themselves represented and are probably asking the same questions of like why am i not seeing this or why do i only see that and i think the biggest way to combat that is to have alternative work <laughs> like to do the work that is what you want to see um yeah. and honestly and it's support the people that are I do think that there's also that like I see yeah. a lot of people who are like how come this and how come that and I'm like do you, are you familiar with blah 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 so also yeah. people out there who are making that work 
they're available. They're on smaller networks or smaller streaming services or like the indie comic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Check out Quelly TV. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just like open your mind. Like, the, if your viewership is very powerful. Yeah, I think it's, that's a part of finding your tribe too, right? It's like you're finding support mm-hmm. for yourself, but you have to give support as well. And in whatever ways that you can, and sometimes it really is just showing up, right? Like just be in there um, and be in that number, like at, adding to the number <laughs> so that people can show that later and continue to grow. But thank you so much for being a part of our Horror as Community Care panel. Uh, this is a super awesome conversation. Uh, and for more about community care and the different ways that community media contributes to that, make sure that you check out the ppmfest.org for our schedule and information on the various panels like this, um, other conversations, special programming, workshops, all kinds of things that are, are cooking up over there. So make sure you take Take a look uh, and you can, you know, watch us on TV uh, and listen to us on the radio or check us out online uh, wherever uh, you can access Philly Cam. So <laughs> do that. Uh, and with that being said, don't get married. Delete your kids. <laughs> Thank you.